G'day guys and welcome back to another episode of the Montana Project. This week, episode 34, we have Australia's leading sleep expert, Olivia Arizolo on. Uh, we discuss her book, Bear, Lion, Wolf, as well as uh, chronotypes, good and bad sleep habits, and many other things. I uh, was really looking forward to this chat. We've lined it up for a fair while now, so I hope you guys enjoy. Welcome to the Montana Project. Thanks for jumping on. It's been a bit bit of time chasing you down. Pleasure. It's so good. And thank you for uh, doing the chasing. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. So obviously um, there's a large amount to you beyond the sleep side of stuff, but probably with the time we do have available tonight, we'll, we'll jump straight into it. Um, do you have your book here as well, which is great. So everyone should go check that out. Um, just been working my way through that, about three quarters of the way through at the moment, but it's, it's been awesome. I'm glad to say that I'm a lion as well, like you. So it's, um, yeah, it's been pretty cool to sort of learn, learn about myself and that, but yeah. How, um, obviously the big part of this book is the chronotypes. I thought that might be a good place to start with. Sure. Love to start with the chronotypes. I think it's really valuable because uh, it's sort of a lesser known concept in sleep and sleep psychology. Um, so essentially what your chronotypes, sorry, sorry, just bring my phone on, do not disturb. Um, essentially what your chronotype is, is an underlying grouping and categorization system for your circadian rhythm. That can be classed into bears, lions and wolves, which is the title of my book. So if you are a lion, um, you're somebody that likes to rise and go to bed early. So you have an early circadian phase. If you are a wolf, you'll, you have a late circadian phase, which means you like to go to bed and rise late. And if you are a bear, you're, either, you're neither nor early nor late. Now, there is much more to the chronotype theory. It also um, highlights how long you need to sleep for which is a really important question and something that many people ask so bears need the most sleep they need nine hours at an absolute minimum um, lions can get by quite happily on seven and wolves need between nine to seven but because they have a really late phase often this means that they're not actually going to bed until 12 or 1 o'clock and a lot of the time they need to get up around 6 or 7 and so they actually are often sleep deprived. So although they have a medium sleep need, they typically find they undersleep and then oversleep. Mm. Can um, their your, chronotypes your chronotype be changed? Also shares, um, can chronotypes be changed? So you do uh, more typically through chronotypes. So when you are a infant, um, you're a lion. This is why so many you know infants get up at you know five a.m. and they're like, "Great, it's time to go." <laughs> they wake the whole house up. Mm -hmm. um, and then when you move through school age, you become more of a bear. Then in the teens, you have a tendency to go to a wolf pattern which is why so many teens are sleeping in all weekend. Then uh, as an adult, you shift back to a bear. And then as an older adult, you shift back to a lion. 
Um, so that is one element of chronotypes changing. You can also um, create, create a shift in your chronotype because of your sleep patterns, sorry, mm -hmm. sleep behaviors. So um, your chronotype is 50% reliant on your genetics and 50% reliant on your environment. And when I say environment, that means your behaviors and essentially what you are doing before sleep, after sleep, in terms of your diet, um, the whole the whole spectrum. So sorry, just wait one second. My dog has decided to like eat all of her food right now, and I can every like every five seconds she's going back and forth, and it's going to be on your on your recording. So I'm That's just going right. to go and take the food away. No drama. Literally, she just started now, and I was like. And like that's why that was every 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 few seconds you would hear you would yeah <laughs> was that a feet feet on the floor yeah 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 we have she doesn't eat at, right and she doesn't eat at her actual bowl she like she picks it up and then she walks like ten steps eats it over there and then goes back um so just anyway, want to touch while um, while yeah, we're on chronotypes. While we're on chronotypes, I just wanted to touch on as well. So throughout the book, I've noticed that wolves seem to be pretty um, at risk of a lot of things due to that. Um, and it got me thinking with people like paramedics or people that are having to get up early, even trades or something like that. Now, what is something that if they're in that position that it can do to benefit So if you're a wolf or, you know, for anyone who hasn't read the book as a background, wolves typically are sleep deprived, which is why it puts them at such risk of all of the problems outlined in the book. So for example, um, if you're a wolf and you're sleep deprived, you are more likely to have mental health problems, anxiety, um, you're more likely to have like depression, PTSD, bipolar disorder, also physical health problems like um, obesity, type 2 diabetes, heart disease, hypertension. It's interesting though because a lot of the data indicates that there's some data that indicates this is due to the late preference, like the late circadian phase. And there's other data that indicates that these conditions are just due to lack of sleep. And there's also a lot of in a lot of research to indicate that um, wolves with a late preference typically have lack of sleep. So I'm sure there's an interrelationship between those three. However, there have been um, there have been studies that have found that even with adequate sleep, wolves are still at greater risk of these illnesses. Um, but I would assume for a lot of and I, I would professionally conclude that a lot of the data is simply due to lack of sleep which is a which is a byproduct of being a wolf so i think this advice you know paramedics people with trades this applies to anyone even if you are not a wolf per se but you are just lacking sleep um the biggest piece of advice that i would give to you would be wear blue light blocking glasses before bed because that's going to facilitate an earlier bedtime and also wear, um, wear light emitting glasses in the morning. So these are called light therapy glasses. Um, what, this is, what this combination has found is if you wear 
uh, blue light blocking glasses for three hours before bed and then light therapy glasses in the morning for I believe it was one hour in the study then you can actually shift your sleep time by over two hours now this is really incredible because I'm sure that a lot of people wouldn't find it natural to go to bed at 8 p.m. But if you're a tradie and you need to get up at 4 a.m. Mm-hmm. and you need a decent amount of sleep, yeah. then if you go to bed at your previous regular time, which may have been 11 p.m., 12 p.m., and then you try and get up at 4, 4 a.m., that's just not going to work long term. Yeah. And so this combination of... Uh, of light therapy, blocking out blue light for a few hours before bed and then exposing yourself to blue light in the morning. That has been shown to actually shift that phase and facilitate a, um, a circadian phase shift. And Which essentially just means that you go to bed earlier, wake up earlier and feel better. <laughs> yeah. And what's the misconception around people that think they, well, they don't, one night they won't get enough sleep and then the next night they're trying to make up for the sleep ah good old catching up on sleep concept <laughs> that's it um so all right so you feel better when you catch up on sleep that's true and we all know that however do you actually repair or reverse the damage no so there was a study that found even after an entire week of um, recovery sleep so being able to sleep for as long as you as long as you like that still didn't recover the cognitive deficit so I'm talking attention reaction time accuracy that didn't recover that from um, lack of sleep which had been accumulated over the course of 10 nights so the researchers had individuals sleep for only four hours which is probably quite you know common for a lot of people if they're you know doing an exam period or you know a really busy time at work um so that was an entire week but then even the research also shows that even like a 10 hour sleep after after consecutive nights of inadequate sleep that still doesn't reverse the cognitive deficits as well so can you actually catch up on sleep? No, but you do feel better. <laughs> so that's at least something, but you won't actually um, compensate for the uh, losses that, that have uh, been due to that lack of sleep. Yeah. So in regards to what happens after a bad sleep, like effects of cortisol, effects of uh, hormone levels like testosterone or estrogen for women and and that sort of thing as well. Mm. So when you lack sleep, testosterone drops between 10 to 15%. Now this is both a short-term effect and a long-term effect. Um, so much so that long-term um, insomniacs or long-term for those who are sleep deprived, they will have uh, 10 to 15% less testosterone than males of the equivalent age. Now, this is a problem. <laughs> it's a problem for sex life. It's a problem for muscle growth. 
It's a problem for sleep as well because testosterone actually preserves sleep. It's a sleep-promoting hormone. Um, So that's the effect on testosterone. Um, Cortisol can increase 37% after one night of insufficient sleep. And after two nights, it increases to 45%. Now, cortisol is a stress hormone, which can help us... Well, it does help us feel alert, but sometimes this is not what we want. If you've heard that problem, people cannot switch off. This is because there's too much cortisol running in their body. So lack of sleep directly uh, creates that experience. Um, In terms of the effects on your mental performance and your your brain, um, there's a buildup of beta amyloid, which is a neurotoxin to contribute to memory loss and long term it builds up in the brain and causes plaques and those plaques are a hallmark sign of alzheimer's disease that increases 30 percent after one night of insufficient sleep um, and then in terms of our physical health and our immunity there is there is a 70 percent drop in natural killer cells which are uh, immune agents which hunt out and detect foreign pathogens which is exactly why after lack of sleep, we often feel like we're getting sick and that there are correlations between um, lack of sleep and heightened risk of illness, Um, such as there was one study that found sleeping just six hours rather than seven placed the individuals at a four times greater likelihood of catching a cold um, just for that one hour loss of sleep hmm. i have a, so bit a lot of a effect, lot of effects i have a bit of a hypothetical question around <laughs> uh losing a bit of sleep so as you said uh there's that extra percentage that you might get sick if you sleep six instead of seven hours say if you get to the middle of the night you have a dog dog wakes you up in the middle of the night you get up to let it out is that the same as losing sleep towards the end? So would that be the same as only sleeping six hours if the sleep's broken? Mm, so everyone has a normal amount of time of being awake throughout the night because it's actually normal to wake at least once to use the bathroom. Um, and usually that is factored in within that period so for example if you need to sleep like seven hours then you actually want to be in bed for like seven and a half Mm. and so if you take the dog out it would be in that half an hour period (laughs) (laughs) just gonna time it right it depends on how long you take your dog out i don't know if you have like a really long driveway (laughs) and you take it for like an hour walk then like that's going to be like a broken sleep but in terms of the research like i don't think they had a yeah, I don't think there were variables that were like, that were like, you know, check this box if you took your dog out mm-hmm. last night for an hour during the night. <laughs> I don't think that was an extraneously an extraneous variable. You um you touched on before so length of sleep obviously seven or differing between chronotypes um, seven to nine. Would you say that's a generalized uh, 
good amount to sleep for most people and then just broken down in that with the stages if we could touch on that quickly as well yep so 95 percent of the population needs seven to nine hours of sleep the outliers there's always going to be outliers but that's about five percent i would say probably more like 95 95 believe they're the five percent <laughs> but most people need seven to nine hours it's very uh, commonplace and it's very rare to have somebody that actually physiologically needs less than that and functions at their absolute best on less than that number of sleep number of hours um variables which impact that stress is a big one when you're under stress you typically need more sleep um sleep is one of the biggest processes for recovery so 70 percent of human growth hormone is produced during slow wave sleep and this is the key catalyst for cellular repair so if you want to speed up repair recovery you know if you've done like a lot of exercise at the gym or if you feel like you're getting sick sleep because it's going to be really helpful to um you know restore your cells to their best so i'm not sure if i answered that question oh yeah that's right so um you know factors to affect sleep length stress is a big one that actually uh increases your the need and because they're bodily stress you know you're talking an illness or psychological stress as well you know things on your mind um unfortunately during heightened levels of stress also what happens is we actually can't sleep so um because that stress hormone cortisol increases because that's a stress hormone it is triggered when we are feeling anxious and restless but what happens is when we have higher levels of cortisol this impairs um our ability to to enter deep slow wave sleep to the degree that if that we normally would simply because when we are stressed the body used to believe that we had to be alert and awake to protect ourselves from getting eaten in the wild (laughs) so we have to be alert and now when we are stressed we are still operating on the same system that when we are stressed we need to be alert and awake so that we don't have the uh we don't the body doesn't allow us to rest as easily because it wasn't an evolutionary advantage um during our you know prehistoric times which is still permitting now um we touched on before obviously light um i was going to see if you wanted to extend on sort of sunlight we mentioned blue light as well uh, phone screens at night then this is a big one especially for sort of our generation as well um, everyone going on it right up until bed and then it being the first thing once you wake up the next morning so yeah just want to see if you want to touch on that and also um, just leading on from that as well good habits leading up to bed because I know you do have your signature sleep kit so yeah. I love that you've you've done your research prior to this. I must say, it's it's wonderful. <laughs> um, so, phones before bed. 
the evidence indicates when we are on our phones in the last hour before bed, we are 48% more likely to take over an hour to fall asleep. That's fun. Um, we are also 35% more likely to lose over two hours of sleep throughout the night, probably because we're on our phone. That's another interesting fact. So the reasoning behind this is um, blue light emits, sorry, phones emit blue light. Blue light suppresses melatonin. Melatonin is sleepiness hormone that helps us fall and stay asleep. When we have less melatonin, we cannot sleep properly. We cannot fall asleep easily. We cannot stay asleep. This is often why people wake throughout the night as well because their body hasn't produced melatonin. You guys still there? Sorry, you there? Sorry, you there? Sorry, yeah, there. I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so blue light suppresses melatonin. Blue light's emitted from screens. The most potent screen is your phone screen because it's so close to your eyes. But Blue light is still emitted from TVs, laptops, ceiling lights. It's just, it's not so close to your eyes. You're not staring directly into your ceiling lights. However, there's still potent sources of blue light. So in the evening, I recommend wearing two, for two hours before bed, blue light blocking glasses. Now, 100% blue light blocking glasses have an orange lens, not a clear lens. That's a common misconception that needs to be specified. These glasses have been found to reduce nighttime wakings by 66%. Now, if there's one thing that I hear in my community, it's that everyone wakes up throughout the night, like everyone, and they can't get back to sleep. And usually what they do is they go on their phone, which is like in, in a... In a similar way to uh, waking up and then drinking a coffee. <laughs> then, then you're like, I can't sleep. It's really strange. <laughs> but <laughs> honestly, there is, this is the action of light in terms of suppressing melatonin. It tells the brain, be alert, be awake. Let's go, let's go. So during the, during the night when you're trying to fall asleep, if you're exposing yourself to, to screens, there is a high chance you will either struggle to fall asleep or struggle to stay asleep, or you'll just sleep lightly and feel really exhausted when you wake up. So yeah, a remedy to that, use blue light blocking glasses. That's one. Or for two hours before bed, avoid screens. Now that's a choice that you, you can choose your path, choose your destiny, good sir. But I know that uh, 95, 99% of people that I've spoken, I don't, I, don't, I, I don't know if I've ever spoken to anyone. They've said, I would happily not use a screen two hours before bed. I don't think anyone's ever said that to me. <laughs> Maybe. I, um, I get pretty, I don't know. I, I, I got a little bit obsessive for a while. Like I actually stopped wearing my watch to bed because I was tracking it, but then I'd wake up and I'd feel as though if I wasn't getting a certain score or something, I felt more tired, even if I yeah. slept well. 
and then yeah so maybe i was overanalyzing it or something like that but yeah it, a bit of bit of quality time with um the um, partner or something beforehand is good but then you also find a great show on like netflix or something <laughs> yeah i'm talking all screens like i'm saying i don't know anyone who would happily avoid tv and their phone and their laptop for two hours before bed every single night i just don't think it's realistic if it is mm. then of course just don't be on the screens and you know reduce light as much as possible but you're still going to have some sort of light coming through from your ceiling lights and lamps. So it's still gonna be a problem. So the easier alternative is just to wear 100% blue light blocking glasses. I have them for sale on my website. They're the ones I recommend, they're good quality. I send them out myself with a little note. Stylish. Very stylish. (laughs) So um, that's my first recommendation. Um, that's, That's awesome. Thanks. Yeah, it's. I think it's really important to, um, I guess, highlight that because I think a lot of people are overwhelmed with the amount of advice and amount of things that they think they need to do, you know, to get a good night's sleep. Like, oh, I've got to, you know, have a bedtime routine and I've got to have a better diet and I've got to cut out coffee and I've got to cut out alcohol and it just gets a bit too much and then they just do nothing. It's like decision overload. But if you really just want one good place mm. to start, then just start there. Wear, wear 100% blue light blocking glasses two hours before bed. Um, and that lends very nicely into the next question, which is my signature bedtime routine. And step one is to wear 100% blue light blocking glasses two hours before bed. <laughs> For the exact reasons I have just mentioned. Um, step two is to use lavender. So. Again, two hours for bed, dab it on your pulse points. This helps activate the parasympathetic nervous system, which helps us feel more relaxed. Step three is to disconnect from tech. Now, one hour before bed, this is the time you take your phone and you put it in charge in another room. Do not use it anymore. This is just one hour. For one hour, I think it's realistic to say no phones, because no, no phones, no screens, no TVs, no laptops. You've got other things to do such as the next step, which is to have a shower. Having a lukewarm shower can promote melatonin production, that sleepiness hormone I was talking about before. Um, Then you've got step five, which is to have a magnesium-based sleep supplement. That's really helpful for those who are struggling to switch off and under stress. Magnesium is found in clinical trials to reduce anxiety by 28%. Now, this one is also really helpful because when the body is stressed, the body uses more magnesium than uh, it otherwise would. Then you have step six, which is read a book, printed book. Um, This helps give you something to do outside of being on your screen and also can reduce stress by 68 minutes, sorry, by 68% with the effect starting in just six minutes. And then you have step seven, which is wear an eye mask, because just like you need to block out light before bed, you also need to block it out during the night too for your best night's sleep. Mm. And that's the bedtime routine. Although there's seven steps, they're actually not that complicated. They take one to two minutes. The only thing that actually takes a bit of time is reading a book. Think about it, blue light glasses, 10 seconds. Lavender on pulse points, 10 seconds. Stop using your devices, zero seconds. 
taking a shower. Two minutes. Magnesium. Ten seconds. Reading a book. Ten minutes. Eye mask. Ten seconds. So it's not that complicated, really. And I have a um I have a, I have a sleep checklist and it's available on my website. So if anyone wants to download it, then and it's also in my LinkedIn bio. Um, sorry, my LinkedIn, my uh, Linktree bio on Instagram. Because so if anyone wants to download the checklist, <laughs> make it really easy. You just download it, and just tick it off every night. It even has even has the times that you're meant to do each of the activities. You just have to tick them off an hour before. <laughs> no, no, that's not no. You can't just do. You can't just tick it off and not do it. You can't do it after you tick it off. <laughs> um just wanted to touch on as well quickly because uh trying to be conscious of the time so um temperature so i I run pretty hot in bed i know amy my partner um and us in the bed kind of have to be at separate sides um and then also in regards to diet like including caffeine uh drugs and alcohol supplements you sort of touched on as well sure so temperature is a fair bit there (laughs) that's all right temperature is hugely important um optimal temperature is 18 degrees if you are thermally incompatible is the uh technical term for sleeping with your partner um there are particular bedding options that actually promote um thermoreg uh, they help regulate the temperature for the individual regardless of the individual around them so um i would definitely recommend that i would be able to share like specific recommendations and show notes for your audience no problem um so that can be really helpful as can be sleeping in natural fibers like wool cotton linen bamboo um they again promote uh temporary regulation and wool for example can absorb excess sweat up to one third of its weight in moisture, which can be really helpful if you're overheating, it actually prevents that uh, overheating from occurring because it absorbs all your all, all of the sweat and leaves you cool. Um, so that is definitely a big one and making sure that it's all elements of your bed as well. You've got to look at what are my, what are my sheets? What is my doona? What is my doona cover? my pillows, my pillowcases, my mattress protector. Um, and then there's also a few products which you which are temperature controlled mattress pads. So it's like the opposite of an electric blanket, like an electric bank blanket can cool can heat you up, but these have the function of cooling you down. So again, I can more than happy to share that in the show notes as well. Um, so that's temperature. And why temperature is so important is because uh, melatonin is only produced when you have a cool core body temperature. So if you overheat, melatonin is suppressed and you wake up because you don't have enough melatonin. Then you have the next question, which is caffeine. So caffeine is a uh, sleep suppressive um, component, compound. Um, it's essentially suppresses the action of adenosine 
Adenosine is a sleep promoting hormone that like melatonin, it helps us feel fatigued and sleepy. Um, and when you ingest caffeine, it essentially blocks its action. So you forget you're tired. There's still adenosine within the body, except the, its effect is, is masked. So you don't recognize that, it's, that you're tired. Hence why you feel alert and, and active. Uh, my golden rule is to have no caffeine after 12 p.m. This is because although caffeine only has like an eight-hour half-life, and so technically you could um, have it later, the research indicates that when you are having... Uh, lack of sleep, which I'm guessing most people listening to this podcast are going to be lacking sleep if you're listening to a sleep podcast. <laughs> the research shows that your body has um, heightened response to caffeine in that it affects your, uh, your adrenaline levels more so than it normally would. It also affects all areas of your central nervous system more potently than an area would, than it usually would. And this would extend to your to the action of that um, suppression of adenosine. So essentially, like although it may only usually last in the body for eight hours, if you're sleep deprived, it's probably going to last much longer than that. So if you're having a coffee at two p.m., then there's still going to be that sleep promote that sleep inhibiting uh, impact when you're trying to go to bed around. 10 or 11. So that's why golden rule, 12 p.m., make it easy. Morning for, ca for caffeine, okay. Afternoon, not okay. <laughs> um, important to also know that caffeine is found in, sorry, just checking my, my uh, battery, 5%, but it's all right, I'm next to my charger. I just need to bend over if it, if it goes to 3%, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know. Um, <laughs> so, caffeine, of course, coffee, caffeine, no surprises. Also found in black tea, green tea, matcha, chai tea, cola drinks, non-cola drinks, vitamin water, Paracetamol, all of these things that people have regularly and wouldn't assume. Like, why would you think that paracetamol would have caffeine in it? But it does. Not all, not all, but some, some of it does. Vitamin water. Sunkist. What is this? But it's true. It's, these are, they have caffeine. And yes, chocolate has caffeine, but it's a very low effect, low amount. So it's. Not as much as a problem as many people think it is. Um, in terms of food, um, foods to avoid sugar. That's actually probably more so why chocolate is a problem because it's high in sugar. Um, sugar is, of course, keeps us alert and energized too much. Um, but also knowing that sugar isn't just, you know, found in chocolate and chips and so forth, like a lot of store-bought, um, dressings and sauces are really, really high in sugar. I know that, you know, sweet chili sauce, for example, has 48% sugar. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, 48%. Um, tomato sauce isn't as high as that, but it's still pretty high. Um, things like, you know, teriyaki sauce. Um, 
yeah, really high in sugar and also knowing that even like healthier versions of sugar like coconut sugar or coconut nectar or honey, the body still processes the same way. So whether you're having honey or a white cube of sugar, the body still registers this is a lot of this is a this is an element of sugar and it's going to um, remain alert and awake and contribute to your inability to sleep properly. Um, so sugar is probably the biggest one that I would avoid, avoid, but you also need to ensure that you are getting the timing of your meals right. So you want to have a three-hour window between sleep time and your last meal. That's really helpful because digestion is a really taxing process and will otherwise inhibit your ability to get into deep, slow-wave sleep. Um, magnesium is also a really important mineral to have not only as a sleep supplement but within your diet as well um, some really high magnesium foods fortunately they're really tasty um, almonds being one of the uh, best and tastiest sources um, other magnesium rich foods i will just pull up my list Magnesium. There we go. Um, other magnesium-rich foods include include pumpkin seeds. There's actually double the amount of magnesium than there in pumpkin seeds than in almonds. So that would actually be a preferred source. Um, chia seeds, spinach, cashews, peanuts, soy milk all really high in magnesium and definitely will be sleep supportive. Um, other than that, I definitely recommend having fatty fish in your diet or if you do not eat fish, then chicken. If you do not eat chicken, eggs. If you are vegan, tofu. <laughs> um, all of these foods are really rich in protein and protein is a macronutrient re required to produce melatonin that sleepiness hormone um, and also making sure you're having adequate omega-3s omega-3s is found in stuff like healthy fats so avocado is a really tasty and excellent source of omega-3 fatty acids um, as is coconut uh, you know coconut milk coconut cream coconut flakes um, as are pretty much all all nuts so almonds walnuts cashews brazils and seeds, nuts and seeds, very easy, very sleep supportive. Um, what what uh, omega threes do for the body is when your body is under stress, it would usually um, have an alteration in melatonin. However, when you are have sufficient omega threes, it protects against against this alteration. And it also helps reduce anxiety, which is another problem that can Im otherwise impair sleep. I wanted to address the fact we are coming to up to our time as well. So I don't, I don't want to um, push you to go any further because we're very grateful for you jumping on as well. Oh, thanks. I um, so if you wanted to pull up stumps there, we, we got a Please. couple other questions as well, but it's up to you oh, if you um, want to go, no pressure. Oh, thank you. That's really sweet. I really appreciate the, uh, the consideration and and the offer I can chat for about another eight minutes.
Okay. So we have uh, one question about waking up. Um, we've seen online with Matt Fraser, who's arguably the CrossFit goat, um, <laughs> and he said the best thing he did for his training was his uh, alarm when he woke up. And he had a dawn simulator mm. instead of using his phone. Mm. And I was wondering if you had an opinion or a recommendation on them and if they're beneficial at all. Yeah. So dawn simulator or a sunrise alarm clock is essentially just an alarm clock that instead of waking you up with a sound, it typically wakes you up with light. Um, This can be beneficial Mm. and is potentially friendlier to the nervous system because it's quite shocking to the nervous system to be woken up with this loud beep sound and it really jolts our levels of stress hormone cortisol which is why we often wake up anxious and then we reach for our phones to quell our anxiety so um waking up with a mm-hmm. <laughs> with a sunrise alarm clock can be beneficial however i have ha- i have had people that haven't woken up to it because it's you know it doesn't <laughs> yeah so um in theory In theory, they're great because it is definitely how we are more naturally meant to wake up. However, in practice, I am yet to see consistent results. And I would feel that maybe it's about having like that as a first port of call. And then if you're not waking up to that, then having like a backup. I guess it kind of goes against your uh, checklist of having an eye mask on. It's in, yeah, it's interesting. So um, sometimes people ask me, like, but how are you going to, you know, then then see outside? So um, if you're wearing an eye mask, then I would feel it wouldn't be as helpful to have a sunrise alarm clock because mm. it typically blocks out light. That's its function. That's why you're wearing it. <laughs> so, uh, um, I think we'll probably go, we'll touch on one more here and then we'll give you our two last questions that we've given to all our guests. So, um, I was going to touch on alcohol, but I feel like people can kind of do their own research or make the assumption of the effects that that has on sleep. So, I was just going to quickly go on napping just because I think that's something that most people would probably think is good for your sleep and can be, but I'd love to hear your points on it. Napping can be really beneficial and can give you a second wind. There've been studies that have found it can improve performance by 34%, which is only achieved in 26 minutes by nap. Um, So I would definitely recommend it. Um, However, in order for the nap not to shortchange your sleep, you need, I made a perfect nap plan. Now, one, keep it short, less than 30 minutes. Two, wear an eye mask, helps your body produce melatonin. Three, keep it early, finish the nap before 3.30 because the body needs to build up sufficient amounts of adenosine, that sleep-promoting hormone I mentioned before that caffeine interacts with. Um, that It needs to build up sufficient amounts of that before it, in order to... Um, sleep properly out at night. So if you nap too late in the day, you don't have enough adenosine and you won't fall asleep easily. So um, some basic principles, but yeah, it can be a really helpful helpful tool and something that I feel like a lot of people would benefit from if they actually give themselves that 
window, which is can be challenging even just to allocate space within a busy day. But um, you know, a thirty-four percent increase in performance that would mean you're uh, you're essentially doing things you know a lot faster. <laughs> Awesome. Um, awesome. Um, well, our last two questions. The first one being, do you have a favorite failure that has benefited you in the long run? Ooh, favorite failure. I fail all the time. <laughs> um, favorite failure. I think probably my, I think the favorite, my favorite failure is, has been living overseas as a base. I like to travel, but I failed living overseas because I've realized that I actually love Australia more than ever and more than anything as my home. And so, although I technically, you know, largely can work remotely from wherever, I choose not to and initially you know I I don't know if that was a failure but I I'm not sure if that categorizes itself as a failure but um it was definitely a consideration and a, a thought a thought I'd wanting wanting to do but I essentially failed at it because I realized I didn't like it <laughs> I was I was over in Bali in 2000 we're definitely fortunate to live yeah here. it is it's yeah, it's Melbourne, sorry, Sydney, Melbourne, Australia. It's it's amazing. Like Sydney where I live, I feel like it's um, it has the most amazing beaches in the world. It has amazing people. It has great restaurants, cafes. It's safe. It's clean. It's easy to get around. Bondi where I live is like the best place in the entire world. It has a nice like community. Like it's easy to be healthy. Sure, it might not have, you know, nightclubs that go until 3 a.m., you know, that you want to go to. But if you want that, just go to Melbourne. <laughs> Take an hour flight. Or, you know, just pick a, pick a good night and find a good good experience. And I'm sure you'll, uh, you'll find something like that. And, uh, yeah, I think, I, think, I think Australia and Sydney in particular is just the best place in the world. And I'm truly grateful to have failed at living anywhere else. Um, for various reasons, most of the time I've been pulled back here. My my family's, I've been overseas contemplating living over there, and then all of a sudden one of my family members will become ill. It's like there's just like a, there's like a thing in their brain. They're like, oh, Livia's thinking of living overseas. Somebody gets sick. So I think the first time I did it was when I was contemplating living in Bali in 2016, and then my grandma passed away. Dear bless her. And then um, recently I was considering living in uh, Italy and then my granddad spent six months in hospital. So <laughs> I think um, I think the universe is mm -hmm. telling me uh, just be here for a bit more, for a bit longer and you know, for, at least for now. I think Bondi is your oh, place to be. Um, the second question is, <laughs> second question is if you had a billboard that everyone could see, what would it say or show? Maybe like live your best life. <laughs> it's not necessarily about sleep, but I'm I only work with sleep because I want to help people feel their best inside and out. 
it's for me it's not about getting the best night's sleep ever and you know getting the best data scores i'm not data driven i'm quality of life driven mm. i want people to have a good quality of life and to live their best life and you know live a life that lights them up makes them feel excited makes them bounce out of bed and i know that when you are getting good quality sleep that is how you can feel because i also know when you're not getting good quality sleep it's really difficult to get into those states so i work with sleep because of those reasons so i think the billboard would yeah be you know live your best life because that's essentially the main um thing i'm trying to help people do and that's my end goal so yeah that would be my billboard uh, that's um that's awesome hey we we love hearing everyone's uh answers to those two questions because they can be so different and just left of center sometimes as well of like not specific to someone's industry and stuff but yeah look we're super grateful for you jumping on and the extra time we've had as well at the end of this um obviously it's only just scratched the journey of you as a person and um yeah, like we'd love to have you on again and chat about yourself more as well. Um, but yeah, for the time being, thank you very much. That's your pleasure. On. It was so nice to connect. And um, so yeah, thanks for thanks for making time as well. And I I have really enjoyed chatting with you. And I know that um, she had many many facts and tips that were going to help your community. And um, let's all sleep better and live our best lives. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Olivia. Awesome. Thank you very much.